Welcome to Why the Long Face, two old friends lifting the lid on mental health over a beer with author and psychiatrist Paul Keedwell and business consultant and so-called comedian Ollie Turnbull. Uh, okay, so welcome to Why the Long Face, this time the burnout edition, the oh my god I can't cope ah! edition. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we're good. We can carry on from there if you like. Why, are you recording? Yeah. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Oh, you can turn the music off as well, if you want. Uh, right. <clears throat> Excuse us, folks. Uh, we're we're going to try to be professional now. Uh, welcome. So we're down in Chatham in Kent, which is... Um, we like it down here. We're living in the historic dockyard, which is a very famous... Uh, it features in Andrew Marr's History of the World, the uh, Chatham Historic Dockyard. <laughs> Okay, fine. Uh, I, I see uh, he's completely collapsed. No, I, I almost burnt out listening to that. Ah, oh, that's a brilliant segue. Thanks. Absolutely amazing, because uh, you just mentioned the word burnout, mm. and that's what the episode's about. It's about burnout. Mm, mm, mm. And um, I guess you want me to define it, don't you? That was the first uh, question I had, yeah. It's not a medical diagnosis. It's really just a shorthand for a special type of work-related stress. Um, a state of physical... Uh, and emotional exhaustion that involves a sense of reduced accomplishment, possibly depersonalization anxiety. What's depersonalization again? Uh, sort of a loss of personal identity, a sense of who you are, because I guess you're not uh, getting a work life balance. Doesn't sound very nice. Is it always related to work? Yeah, specifically uh, a, a term used to refer to work related stress. And the thing you describe there, so eloquently, as ever, sounds very much like, when we talk about anxiety, sounds very much like similar uh, symptoms of um, anxiety. Well, guess, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it sort of re refers to exhaustion, uh, but often, uh, well, a lot of people think that depression is often behind it, and anxiety, or both. Um, or, or, but, or, or, but, you know, because what it is, is, in, is when the demands of the work situation uh, exceed your adaptive resources to deal with those. There's an unrealistic expectation of what you can achieve in the in the time frame. Got it. Because the other thing that sounds like there's an empty is time, right? So time. There, there's two types of stress, right? Uh, but also competence. Uh, oh God, I suppose that's why I suffer quite a lot. <laughs> no, but I mean, you could all. Another reason why I mean, usually it refers to you just not having a time time to get all. The, um, all the work done but it might also be because you lack the, tr the adequate training to do it efficiently and, that adds and the stress. support nice one so that's a, that's another dimension I didn't really yeah. think about it very stressful to be expected to do something yet unable to do you're not, and you're not getting enough uh, support from your boss or, or your immediate boss anyway it goes back maybe to that, your colleagues yeah it goes back to that thing that we've talked about loads of times which is how susceptible you are and then uh, how much is put upon you to make that susceptibility come to life and express itself in anxiety Right, right, right. Yeah. So it's about thinking about what are your resources and what are, are the uh, facilities there as well in the workplace. There's the two things, really. Personal resources and workplace resources. Got it. Yeah, nice one. So um, let me just talk about chronic versus acute for a, for a, a bit. Oh, yeah. So as I understand it, chronic stress is stress which you uh, absorb or not over a long period of time. Whereas Correct. acute stress is the kind of stress that someone in A&E would... Would, right. would be under and I, I i get the feeling and please corroborate 
is that a word? Uh, please, um, please yeah. confirm whether this tends to be something associated with con chronic stress. In other words, um, stress that doesn't go away. Um, yeah, stress that happens every day, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, I think we can all cope with, and we are sort of designed to cope with acute periods of stress, which you've said before, right? Mm. So doing a bit of overtime every now and again, uh, I think we can cope with. Or right? indeed enjoy. I mean, possibly. Yeah. yeah. Some people are thrill seekers and they love that intensity of the acute right. of stress. I always say a good analogy is when I was a junior doctor, and I, I actually quite enjoy doing the on call, out of hours work, if, uh, even if I was very busy and didn't get much sleep, if it didn't happen that often. Got it. Whereas if you were asked to do a one in three, which doesn't happen anymore. Don't know what that means. One night in three. Oh, dear. So you do one night, you'd have a night off uh, to recover, maybe one night to enjoy yourself and back at it again. I remember that period of your life and we were so unsympathetic. We'd be like, hey, we're going out, we're going out and having drinks and you'd be like, I'm on <laughs> yeah. call. And we, we were like, oh, you'd be all right. <laughs> yeah, you'd be, be all right. right. Don't worry, just yeah. a few pints. You'll get through it. And you, you were very good, yeah. very diligent and you like a drink, you're a thirsty lad. It's uh, well documented. Uh, it depends. Yeah, well, I suppose. And you'd, you'd I suppose I, I, I've uh, suffered particularly in my earlier years with the work hard, play hard trap of the, of the medical student. Yeah, which then spills into your working life. Yeah. It's an occupational hazard for doctors. And you, you finally find yourself... We're the shocking, actually, yeah. as a profession in terms of levels of alcoholism and burnout. Doctors or psychiatrists? Well, psychiatrists, I think, are, are particularly bad. Yeah. Wow. Oh, it's stressful, man. You've told me this before. You, well. you're, you're, you're trying to make... This is what my little boy used to say when he was uh, very young, that Uncle Paul used to make people feel happy. And that was lovely. But at the cost of that is you've got a lot of unhappy, stressed people coming to you that you're mm. absorbing every day. And I know mm. that's taken out of you. You've, you've well, yeah, told me. You try to, you try to re re um, maintain some professional uh, distance. But again, that com it also comes down to sharing. Much easier to share, actually, when you're junior more difficult when you're senior mm. a lonely place uh you're not so you're not sort of s sitting around the, the common room chatting to your mates about the, the stress mm. you've mm. experienced that day which is a good way of offloading mm. I, I i can't it's a very interesting uh, story i think um because i've always worked in business and that has its own stresses we'll talk about that later because i'm particularly right. interested in the vulnerabilities in the people i work with particularly the y younger folk but mm. definitely not exclusively the younger folk mm. and um, i work with a guy who used to be an a e doctor and he gave up to be a, a, consult, a healthcare consultant, a healthcare IT consultant. And he was very valuable because, of course, he knew at the sharp end um, how computer systems can help and how they mm. can sometimes hinder. And uh, we were very stressed because we were working on a piece that had a very, very tight deadline. And yeah. I said, well, uh, he was a great guy, a German lad. And I said, uh, well, um, Heinrich, whatever his name is, that's the comedy German name, um, at least this isn't as stressful as what you're used to. And he said to me, oh, it is worse. Um, and he was, his point was that when we have a deadline, you're never off duty and you've always got stuff to do. You, you can't resist it, can you, with really comedy uh, German accent? German accent. He's, he, was mean, German. <laughs> he was German. He was German. Because mm. I, said, I said to him, he was very funny. I but said why, him, why are your German accents like <laughs> someone out of the Gestapo? Is there a nicer German accent? Let's try a friendly one. Oh, hello. No, because when you do friendly, uh, it ends up being slightly sinister. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, nice to meet you, and actually, nice to probably meet oh, what me, of you, and bury you, and kid No, we're you. talking about German accents, not Bollywood. What, where I, did that come from? I don't know. I'm not very good today. I've had sleep and everything. My accents are normally I think on you're, point. You're normally absolutely on point. Yeah. yeah. I'll try again. I'll cheat you charity and kindness, <laughs> as usual. Uh, for you, the voice. Come on, then. Anyway, we've got to stop making this the theme of our podcast, the dodgy German accents. Anyway, tell us about Heinrich without an accent, please. So Heinrich would say to me, I say, 
um, this might this it might be stressful in A and E, but he said you do your job, you do your best for the patients, and hopefully they survive. And sometimes they don't survive, and then you go home and it's over because you can't take it with you because obviously the patients are in the hospital. Whereas this is an insidious, never uh, never ending round of stress until we hit the deadline uh, that I worry about day and night on my weekends as well. And I was like really interested to see mm. that to him the chronic stress was the thing that was killing him and the intense stress of, of, of completing a 12-hour shift on A&E was not as bad over a period of time no, as you see. No. It taught me quite a lot. No and that's how we are as individuals I think we're we are adapted our, our physiology is adapted to acute stress and um, we needed the fight or flight response to um, get over um, acute challenges but we're not really designed to have that system firing over a long period of time because that leads to Brilliant stress input. and strain and burnout. So I like that, that that's the system being constantly fired. I think that's exactly mm. what's happening. And can I just make the point, I know you're in the middle of one there, but that means, no, you know, people who, uh, no, I was in, no, please. Uh, no, please. No, 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 you. No, you. Uh, and uh, some people will feel guilty. Some people will go, well, I go to work every day. My, my, my job is, is relatively straightforward. It's in an office. I'm safe. I'm clean. Uh, you know, I'm not down, down a coal mine. I'm not in any mm. danger. And yet I feel awful and I feel like I can't cope. How must a fighter pilot feel or uh, how must... Uh, uh yeah, so I'm not a fighter pilot. I'm not a guy who has to go out at three in the morning and repair someone's car that's broken down. Yeah. I should just get on with it. Exactly. But, I, but that's a misunderstanding of, uh, of what's going on. Yeah. So white collar stress is, is, is possibly, well, it often is worse than the sort of stress you just described, I think. And that's what Heinrich was feeling in, in a serious right. point. He was like, I can't turn off. I worry constantly about hitting my deadline. Right. And I'm not used to deadlines other than, you know, the five-minute deadline that this guy's got. I know we should talk about how that affected him. So, I mean, presumably it would have affected him in emotional, physical, and, and sort of mental ways. Yeah, so it did. You know, so you get fatigued, don't you, in terms of mental fatigue. So your ability to make effective decisions starts to falter. Your ability to concentrate or hold your attention because you've got so many things going on in your head at once. Yeah. Um, and perhaps because you're not sleeping well as well, you're, you're, you don't have as much uh, uh, physical energy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and you might start to get GI-type symptoms as well. That's quite common, isn't it? GI? Gastrointestinal, sorry. So di indigestion and uh, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Um, Poor old Heinrich had the whole heartburn. lot. It was really strange. I, I always think of A&E doctors, A&E nurses, any one in the medical profession who has to deal with an emergency, mm. firefighters, etc. Mm. I always think of them as absolutely brilliant at handling stress. Mm. And that was a, a real stark reminder of the difference between acute and chronic. And it's the chronic that gets you. Because as you yeah. say, we're not designed to cope with it. No. And then emotionally, you're, you're, I suppose, in the early stages of burnout, anxious and irritable. Mm. But if it goes on and on, and the stats show that people don't tend to ask for help or time out, mm in that situation where they're trying to impress their boss, trying to make an impression, trying to make, and it's usually junior colleagues, uh, and, and they're working in a culture that doesn't invite that, they leave it till it's too late, mm. and then depression takes over. And of course, then that costs the employee much more because that, that person then needs to take time off, has no choice but to do so. And you, as an employer, absolutely have a duty of care to that person then. Yeah. And you might even be sued. Yeah, and, and that's not even talking about the human suffering, which is the most important thing, of course. Uh, yeah, cynicism creeps in when the system is leading to, uh, to burnout, and it can lead to splitting of staff. I've seen that happen, actually, in very busy 
Uh, I remember we, um, I worked in an, uh, it was called an assessment and treatment team uh, in an area of West London, and we're covering a vast area with just eight members of staff uh, tasked with essentially assessing anyone who had been referred by a GP or had come in via A&E, but a new presentation of an acute mental illness. Uh, we invited some GPs to come and see the team, and they were absolutely flabbergasted. Well, that's it. Yeah. Just you guys. Yeah. And and when it was at its worst, people were, were snapping at each other. Yeah. yeah you know? Yeah. You know, you had to say, as a clinical lead, I had to say, it's very important at this time of, of excessive demand on our resources that we don't turn on each other. We have to support each other. Nice. But there's a temptation to have a go at each other because you feel that you're the only one who's working to the point of uh, of complete exhaustion it's not the tr- not the case no, and also when you are at that point of exhaustion you become a little bit irrational um well it is, yeah yeah and i think a, a little bit um callous potentially because mm. I, I remember when i was um we talked earlier about on calls when you when i was a junior doctor there was one i remember there was one call it was a, worked very hard finally got to bed you know at about half an hour sleep between 3 and 3.30 in the morning and then the bleep goes off again. And oh, you think, my God. Uh, what's it about? And it's, it's, oh, someone's on their way to A&E. And I remember, only briefly, thinking, God, I, I hope they don't make it. I hope they die on their way to the... Wow. You know what I mean? Now, that was because wow. I was just at the limit of of my capabilities. And I think that, that was just one hint. And of course, I didn't really think that, but it was just in, des- in desperation. It's a great admission. Um, and and I, I completely understand where you're coming from, and it's not a callous. Thing. Well, it it sounds callous on the surface, but you can totally understand it. When you meet that person, of course, it's very different, and everything, all your instincts kick in. Mm. Uh, at three thirty in the morning, you've just been woken up by by bleep going beep, 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 and your blood pressure's just peaked again. You know, oh, I would do anything right now to go back to bed, mm. even if it costs a life. I can just completely understand mm. it. I had a great I had a great experience once. I used to do um, quite a lot of hosting of um, of uh, seminars. Uh, mm. in business and uh, you know as you can imagine in my game dominated by uh, middle-aged white British men um, who traditionally IT yeah uh, mostly IT yeah uh, who traditionally don't have a great record of showing their but not emotions. cool IT either very not silicon, uncool not Bitterly Silicon cool. Valley IT with no, lots no, of black no. t-shirts we've got to make this clear distinction shirt and ties and polyester suits right uh Polyester suits, and then the senior management would move to a, a, a blend, a cotton mix, or a cotton wool mix, essentially, yeah. But no, uh, really bland grey people, and uh, this, this no man, electric blue suits. Uh, uh, they would be taken out and humanely put down. <laughs> if anyone sort of, uh, someone turned up with a pink shirt once, and there was a, like that episode oh, of wow. The Simpsons. Yeah, he wow. Was, he was taken out and killed. Of course, yeah. Because uh, you were on call, so he didn't make it. <clears throat> I, I'd have thought you'd just give him the gun and say, "You know what to do." <laughs> Anyway, I was there, and this guy got up, and he was a very impressive man. He was late 30s, but had an incredibly responsible job, probably looking after an account that was bringing in £100 million mm. to the business. Mm. And he stood up and said, I'd like to make a speech about an experience that happened to me a year ago, and I thought it was going to be very self-aggrandizing. His name was John. Aggrandizing. Yep, that's right. Uh, <laughs> I just blustered through. Remember, I'm a, a, a white middle-aged male, so I just blustered through, and everyone, everyone, everyone will just think that I know what I'm talking about. Mm. And he stood up and said, I'd like to tell you about an experience I had a year ago, and I was thinking, here we go, how you managed to turn around a, a failing account or whatever it was. And he said, it was 4 a.m. in the morning, and I suddenly realized I couldn't do my job. Mm. And the whole room went completely silent, and this guy just stood uh, with his hands by his side, telling his story about he woke at 4 a.m. 
and realised that he had to resign from his job because he had too much to do and he was failing on all fronts. He'd let down the guy who'd taken a chance on him because he was quite young for this level of responsibility. And um, he was penning his email of resignation. Mm. Uh, he was shaking. He was almost tearful. Um, his wife was mm. by his side in the twilight. He could see the woman he'd let down because he uh, had not succeeded in the job that he thought mm. he could do. Yeah. Uh, so he wrote a long list of things that he'd failed at in order to um, set his resignation letter uh, and went into a fitful sleep. At 7 a.m., he rang his boss, um, who said, I don't accept your resignation. I right. think you're very good at your job. Let's right. go through the things that you can't cope with, make a list, and um, we'll just take off the, the bottom half of that list because I want you to continue in your job because A, you're very competent, and B, wow. you're very honest. Wow. And you should have looked at the reaction of the uh, audience. There mm. were lots of, you know, you've got this image of tough businessman um, uh, and uh, it's not that there wasn't a dry eye in the house, but everybody was absolutely aghast. And you could tell, looking at them, because I was hosting the event, how many people were relating to what John could, just could, told could, could feel could, could go in that guy's shoes. Uh, exactly. And kudos to him. Obviously, he got a massive round of applause, and I talked to him afterwards. He's just a, uh, just a great guy, very brave to be able to stand up as a, a member of a, 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 a sort of a group of people who are not known for showing their feelings, and he did it. And um, since then, I've seen quite a lot of positive signs in business. I was looking at the cult of the culture changing. So you don't yeah, really because yeah. actually that's a failure of the cult work culture, isn't it? That he gets to that point of writing that letter. Correct. You absolutely. That's exactly what it is. Uh, it's a it's a failure of mentoring. You, I think, you told me of a, of a great example of a of a a company, and it's not even a sort of new. Google type company. It's an old established company that has mental health um, first aiders. First aiders. So this yeah. is a, so this you know is a, exactly yeah. who to go to yep. if you're feeling like that. So this is a very large. Uh, it's British, but it's a utilities company. So it's it's uh, um, billions turnover company. Right. And I walked in there um, because I had a meeting there, and there was this wall of people. And what was really encouraging is that they were very demographically spread. Uh, to reflect the... You mean diverse? Yeah, what did I say? No, it's fine, yeah. All right, Diver yeah. Diversity, <laughs> yeah. We've reflected the cross-section of the company. Which meant it was it was immediately more approachable. I think there was hardly anybody who could look at that wall and think, actually, I'd like to talk to that woman. Um, you know, she's the one that, that looks mm. more approachable to how mm. I feel or whatever. Mm. Mm. And I also was talking to the CEO of a, a national regulatory body. Again, sounds incredibly dull. And mm. actually, funny enough, it isn't. But I won't even go into why it isn't. And a third of what he talked to me about, one was regulation, one was safety. And the third thing he talked to me about, and this is the CEO, the head of a, yeah. of a national body, was uh, mental health welfare and i said yeah. oh i went to a place where there were uh, mental health first aiders he said yeah 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 yeah, we've got that yeah as if that's a known thing and that's great isn't it um, yeah and uh when you i mean i've been lucky enough to have people to open up to me at work and say look it's all getting a bit on top mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. uh, which i feel a massive privilege when they do that it's not an official role but i'm happy to talk to people and when you see people opening up hey you just get to know them better uh, you can help them but also you you bond as well Mm. Um, as soon as mm. you ask about someone's mental health mm. and they are honest with you it's a it's a beautiful bond that binds the workforce together binds you with a colleague um, right and that that then increases productivity because how, how do companies work best uh, when they work as teams when you've got people bonding with each other in that way 
So research by the Mental Health Foundation charity found that policies addressing well-being at work in this way increase productivity by up to 12%. So it's actually not just hmm. a kind of nice fluffy thing that makes everyone uh, economically uh, feel better. Sound it's as economically well. uh, sound. And as I said before, you're saving the, uh, the huge amount of money that wasted every year, according to the OECD. Ooh, stats, lovely. Uh, 94 billion a year in the UK is is the economic cost of people taking time off work because of mental illness. Yeah, I read a similar thing. What I find, I mean, it's funny that you're talking about the economics and I'm talking about the human factors. It's normally the other way around. No, <laughs> but I, I, I mean, I think it's in, it's important to talk about the economic savings of, 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 of this as well. So that, uh, because what we're, what we're aiming to do, partly, I suppose, in, in podcasts like this, put pressure on executives who make the big decisions about providing this sort mm. of care. They, right. I'm telling you, they're starting to understand. I'm an, op yeah. I'm an optimist by nature, as you probably know, and um, I, I'm I'm seeing it. I'm seeing people even because you do get a band of tough, crusty old execs who have never experienced stress, and they love the uh, the, the the rush of a high pressured, sometimes volatile mm. meeting, mm. and they don't really relate. Even that cohort, which is significant yeah. in the business world, possibly in the medical world as well. Um, is starting to go well. There must be something to it uh, mm. because lots of people are talking about it. I'm, yeah, it's. I mean, I'm encouraged, but uh, well, that's good. But I think we have to point out the real problems that still exist, don't we? Well, I was just about to say what I do find disturbing <coughs> and upsetting actually is the number of colleagues I can think of in the last maybe two years who've come to me and have been. You can tell close to breaking down. On in the tears. point of, of yeah, yeah, of tears. On the point of having no choice but to quit their job. Yeah, men and women um, who, who uh, are older and younger who you can tell are on the point and some have broken down in front of me completely and, and cried. And I think if someone is so close to crying in front of a colleague, um, you know, how much suffering, hidden suffering is out there. So uh, I'm not by any means saying that we've cracked this. No. But the signs are in Far from it. Um, I mean, I, far from it in the professions, I'd say. I, I've got a lot to say on the medical profession, but also I've seen some stats on the legal profession as well. But let's start with the, the recent BMA report. That's the British Medical Association report about junior doctors uh, and GPs. And this, this is a survey of 4,300 doctors and medical students. So overall, 80% of all doctors were at high or very high risk of burnout. But 27% of doctors had already been diagnosed with a mental health condition. Bloody hell, that's, so that's terrifying. That's, right? a, that's, that's um, a quarter of all doctors. I think women were more likely to be diagnosed in the last 12 months than men, but it was only a marginal difference. It's 19.7% versus 16.8% in men. 40% of those had an emotional or psychological condition uh, that affected their work. Wow. Doctors are trained to be the ones that help everybody else out. So they're of very course. bad at being helped themselves. And there is still a massive stigma in the profession preventing people from going forward. So it's not all the employer's fault. Mm. I think there have been, um, in real terms, cuts in the NHS over the last 10 years, mm. which have affected workload. There are unmanageable workloads and rotor gaps. But there is also this cultural shift uh, that needs to happen where... There's less stigma around seeking help. And um, seeking help early as well. Yeah, I'm before you start getting diagnosed with mental health up. problems. Yeah, a little checkup. How are you feeling? How are you sleeping? Not as well as I did. Early signs, if you like. Right. Of trouble, which are copable with, and but will fester. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
So it's been a, a little bit like nervous breakdown is one of those things that is used, but not actually a medical thing. Nervous exhaustion. Yeah, that's right. Something that GPs used to write on sick notes. But did Probably you... Probably still do. Is there a case in burnout that uh, once you've hit that point where you can't cope, you can't go to work or, or everything is just too much, is that like um, a point of no return? Uh, is there permanent damage? Can there be permanent what damage? What do you mean? Uh, well, well, if someone becomes depressed, that's like saying you can't get better from depression. Isn't it? Yeah. Okay. It's just one of those things where it's a burnout. There's a sort of permanence to it, but that's just simply because of the words that are used to describe it. There's no permanent. As, as I said, it. it's not a medical condition as no, such. Well, it's a description of chronic work-related stress, which um, exceeds your adaptive resources, and that's going to show itself in mental, physical, and um, uh, emotional exhaustion, if you like. Because I think some people which fear then, there's this thing that can happen to you if it's all too much that is mm, irreversible and will mm, cause permanent damage to your mind. Mm. That's a bit of a myth, isn't it? Well, it's it's. It's, it's no more true than saying once you've been depressed, you'll always be, be depressed, I suppose. Good answer. That is a great answer. Um, yeah. But but that doesn't mean to say that people can't end up in chronic depression, I guess, in these sorts of roles unless they uh, seek help. So we should probably talk at some point about, you know, what makes an ideal employer in terms of um, avoiding falling into the chronic burnout sort of situation. Yeah, let's... So, yeah, we can talk about that now if you like. So I, I helped pen an article about stress and burnout in, in young lawyers. The Junior Law Division to launch guidance on supporting resilience and well-being in the workplace. So is this for employees or employees? Uh, both. Okay. Right. So firstly, whilst people across sectors may be required to work overtime every so often, because that's, that's inevitable especially i think because the legal profession has now become hugely more competitive mm. you're required to work overtime every so often but limiting your own or your employees working time to manageable and sociable working hours should result in various health improvements and increased productivity so in other words don't uh, let overtime become a habit yeah that makes it perfect sense i mean it's, it's the chronic thing again isn't it if you've got something that is is intense but over a short period of time and you can see the end of it that's a lot better than continually changing your lifestyle to accommodate out uh, out of hours working consistently yeah that was a very long-winded way of putting it um secondly do not expect employees to respond to emails when they're not at work i thought was an interesting one and this might soon become legally enforced I, it, do you know what? That absolutely resonates with me completely 100%. There's no point in having um, a holiday if you're still working. Well, email is an asynchronous method of communication, i.e. you don't immediately have a reply or you don't you know, talk over. Uh, so that's what it's there for. It's yeah. there for, uh, to, to put a record out there which might or might not need a response. However, in my job, um, I spent most of, my, most of the days in my summer holiday this year had an hour taken out answering questions by email because I felt I had to do it due to the demands of the client. Right. And that means that you're not getting a proper break, a proper holiday, because you have to have a mental distance, not just a physical. <laughs> a geographical distance, it's, it's, it's almost irrelevant. Oh, completely being irrelevant. on the Being completely on the beach irrelevant. is irrelevant if you're still mm. having to uh, answer emails. And do you know what? There was no one actually telling me to. My bosses are great. One of them particularly understands stress. The other one's more old school, but he's a nice person. Well, so, they yeah. would have told me not to. Yeah, to right. To them. Right, okay. So that is a great example of how it is a responsibility of employees, not just employers, 
So if employees have got, said, "Look, we don't expect you to answer emails," mm. you should you should actually go. Actually, no, I'm not. I'm not going to yeah. do that. Also, it, I, employers don't necessarily expect you to stay behind in the office till no. seven p.m. Uh, they'd rather you be efficient with your work, work till nine to five, then go yep. and and get a proper work life balance. I think a lot of the time it's an employee's fault Mark. for thinking they need to show extra application well actually might just show that you're not very efficient so what i like about what you're saying is putting a little bit of responsibility actually quite a lot of responsibility on the person your mental health is your responsibility as well as as well as the employee and you're absolutely right thinking about it my bosses are great yeah but not all bosses are and 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 so the government in ireland is considering a law to ensure workers have the right to switch off from work emails i think that is tremendous yeah i've got someone who won't i've got someone working for me and they won't read emails before 9 a.m right yeah, so absolutely I, I, you know, the first two times i realized that i was like bloody hell read your emails on the way to work and then it didn't take me long to go actually no don't no don't because that's important uh you time and can i work around that restriction of this person of course i can yeah uh, and it, it's actually down to me that I can. Mm. so i make it clear to this person now that you know uh it's absolutely fine. And they go, right, thanks. <laughs> so it's about boundaries. It's about employers and employees having boundaries in terms I of work. I agree. Then thirdly, oh, yes. which we've hinted at, have an open door policy, right, that allows for one-to-one mentoring and support at all levels of the organisation. So from the top down. Because so actually, if you've got a burnt-out employer mm. or burnt-out boss, they're not going to be very good at mentoring you. <laughs> so the open door <laughs> policy... to them too. The open door policy sometimes to me can imply it's the responsibility of the employee to go and see someone if they're feeling rough. What about... Uh, no, it's, it's the responsibility of the employer to create a culture of an open door policy that makes the employee uh, feel comfortable about seeking help. So oh. your, your mental health first aiders, for example. Sorry, every employee knows exactly who they could go to if they're feeling... Uh, out of control is that feeling being out of control isn't oh. it and if that if that oh. goes on day in day out mm. you know where it's going to lead mm. question though what what about the uh, it's sort of push and pull thing right so everybody knows where to go to seek help what about what yeah. about whether there's a um a, a, a um incumbency on the my words on the employee on the employer no there is no on the employer oh, right to ask the question Proactively, uh, maybe it's six monthly review. But By the way, how's your mental health? Well, you perform, in your performance uh, uh, review, it definitely should be a question. That's what I'm asking. And yeah. I've never and been it, asked that it, in my for, entire life. In all, Really? Correct. It is one thing we're possibly a bit better at in medicine in that during your training, there was at least someone who's mentoring you who would ask you about how you're doing in general. Right. But of course, because you're a junior doctor, you're like, I'm absolutely fine. Yeah, because you're scared. <laughs> no, it's not just because you're scared. It's because you delude yourself that you're sort of immortal in your in your strength of character. The the important point is that it should not be considered weak or shameful to seek help. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah, and typically in our professions, whether it be uh, medical or legal or others. It's sort of been, well, look, I had it tough in my day. Mm. It's character building, mm. you know, and you're not going to get sufficient experience unless you're busy. Yeah. And it, it's a sort of rite of passage and it's part of your training. And yeah. yeah, but it's not part of your training to get burnt out and depressed and then leave the profession. So yeah, yeah. attitudes need to change all the way down the organization. It's not weak or shameful to seek help and advice. 
in a timely manner. Um, it's not only that, right? Put a positive on it. It's actually mm. wise. It's Very wise. Wise. It shows wisdom to mm. seek help. No one has a forty-five-year career which is without bumps. I, mm. I, I'm, I'm convinced. Um, and it's wise to seek help and best for everybody. Um, interesting. I've, it's funny though that, that you, as a medic, um, have been asked. Mm. and sometimes felt that you had to hide things to show that you were doing a great job, which you undoubtedly were. But I never have. I never have in... You've never been asked. Never been asked. Which, is, been, which is poor, isn't it? I suppose so. I mean, I'm not, you know... I've known times when you've been, uh, you've been in a state of burnout. Definitely anxious, irritable. Shut up. Uh, difficult to be with. Oh, God, you're such a pain in the ass. Yeah, no, of course you're perfect, all, and uh, you can take any level of stress thrown at you. Well, thanks for putting that you're on record. You're godlike. No. I, yeah, godlike. No, you're really sense. not. You're just a human being like everybody else. The god of sitting. A squishy bit of organic matter not that, can, so that, can, that can be easily pushed past its limit into a, a, a gibbering uh, mess, Right, frankly. Right. Well, no, okay. okay, as soon as it's going to be like that, these are a few things I've noticed. <laughs> I've noticed about me over the years. <laughs> Please don't go there. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But extreme levels of work-related stress should not be regarded as a necessary journey to seniority, I think is the point. So the fourth point was, actually, senior people need to support their junior staff, hmm. literally by helping them out with their work. Because I think with any uh, occupation, there'll be times when there's just an excessive demand for no, often quite random reasons. Hmm. And there should be... Uh, a supportive network that exists where people act down a bit to support their junior colleagues. That was the fourth recommendation. Act down? Well, you know, when in a legal firm you've got partners and you've got fee earners. What the fee earners are doing are actually doing the work, mm. <laughs> the legal work, the conveyancing, whatever it is. The partners are bringing in the work mm. through client lunches or whatever it is. But they're also doing a bit of the legal work themselves too because they have to keep their hand in. Mm. But you can see if you have a, a flexible network, you'll actually do a little bit more of the fee earning work, perhaps, to sort your colleagues for a while it, when things are really um, out of control. Well, there's two things that that'll help with. One is it'll help with the morale of the team because they'll think, actually, Correct. this guy gets his hands dirty. Yes. That happens in our firm. The, the partners do get their hands dirty and the ones that do, A, help out because they, they, they tend to produce good stuff. And not always, by the way. <laughs> no. Some of them have lost their touch. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, generally think, okay, they muck in. And, and, but, well, but, I remember Professor Lozowski of the, of the liver unit at St. James's Hospital in Leeds um, he was called in once and he was, he was godlike, so he was hardly ever called upon by his juniors to come in, you know, or out of hours. Mm. But they, they just could not get a cannula into this guy's arm. Right. I don't know what cannula <laughs> is. It's a stupid. So it's a venflot. It's a thing that, um, you know, uh, that they use to put in fluids into your, into your vein. What, an IV mm. line? Yeah. Yeah. Why do you a say line. that? IV line. Why do, you, why do you say that? Everyone knows what that is. Oh, really? Yeah, man. IV line. IV, IV, no one else can get one in. Mm. So, and everyone's like, oh, oh my God, we're asking the great prof to just put a bloody cannula in. Oh, God, he fucked it up. Please tell me. Nope. Really? That's cool. No one's going to eat got it. Oh my and God, that's amazing. Oh, good old guy. He got it in. Oh, he got it in. It's like Karate Kid, isn't it? Where the old geese are still pretty good at fighting as well. You know what I mean? And I, I'm sure he'd so have got a lot out of that. Yeah, 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 of course. And it's great for team morale, as you say. But so, so doing that kind of thing is truly collaborative and great, great for everyone's well-being, I think. Hmm. Um, but also, it is an opportunity for um, uh, senior staff to learn. 
sometimes because yeah. they, like you say, yeah. they can get a bit out of touch about what it's really like on the cold face. They go back down yeah. there, okay, this is actually, they're working under pretty tough conditions here. Same, exactly and the same I'm, in our business. Uh, yeah. Right. And, and, and it's good for me to, to brush up a bit. Yeah. Here's an irony, right? I haven't talked about this, but I want to talk about it. It's incredible. When we, we grew up sort of in the 70s, we were young in the 70s, and they used to think all these new computers, all these new machines, you know, there'll be no men on the production line. Uh, we'll have a much much more leisure time. We'll work three days a week. Ah. And, and isn't it ironic that all these productivity tools, you know, instead of instead of looking around for a record I want to put on, I just say, Alexa, play Bruce Springsteen or whatever. Everything's there to save time and I have less time than I've ever, ever got had because, because everybody's that, got those same time-saving tools. Exactly. So the competition's still the same. So yeah. you just work more and more and more. Yeah. I, my work is so efficient now. I, I come home. I'm doing calls early morning and late night at the moment. Mm. So I come home, I go to bed uh, and I'm on. Mm. Uh, You're uh, not a great advert. For this episode. I'm not, am I? I turn no. my camera off so they can't see I'm in bed and I'm, uh, 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 you know, doing my thing. And, and no, I'm not a great advert for, thing you're, for, mm. for this. You're quite right. I've got colleagues who are much better. They compartmentalize, they turn off and you know that, you know, that um, Bob won't be available because Bob turns his machine off. And for the first two times he does it, it's fucking annoying. And you annoying. know what? The rest and of And then you go, well mm. done, Bob. You're off fishing. You're off with your kids. You're doing whatever you want. Actually, who's the wise one here? Well, that's probably a good place to think about a summary well i've learned a lot as i always do spending time with you dr mm-hmm. k uh, likewise been really some great examples from you today yeah oh bless you yeah. well i've been in the corporate world a long time and i love i love your summaries <laughs> oh no this one's going to be a bollocks one. Oh no well we're shabby well, well let me be the judge of that okay well listen so tell, this. Me, tell me what you've learned uh Oliver Turnbull, <laughs> business consultant and so-called comedian. So I have learned that uh, burnout is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just a complete moment in time, but it's a reaction to usually, in fact, almost exclusively, chronic stress in the workplace. It tends mm-hmm. to be a white-collar thing, manifests itself in overdue, uh, over, over worrying, uh, the inability to concentrate, uh, difficulty making decisions, being less mm. creative, being mm. tearful, having sleep problems, headaches, etc., and sometimes um, intestinal um, issues, classic mm. signs of stress, but due to chronic pressure at work and potentially caused by poor um, uh, support from people's bosses. Um, it affects everybody, and simple things in the workplace can be put in to um, help the problem, such as senior people digging in, an open-door policy whereby people feel that they live in a culture where they can go and see people, a more proactive approach to um, detecting mental health problems by simply asking mm-hmm. the question mm. at review. Mm. Not something that's irreversible, but can mm. lead to other mental health issues uh, and should be addressed mm. in the workplace and is being, but perhaps not as much as uh, we would hope. There's still a lot still to do. wastes an incredible amount of people's right. time. And finally, the thing I learned today, well, I didn't learn it, but it, it, it was re-emphasized, is that looking after people's mental health, the most important thing is it reduces suffering in the workplace, but it's good for business. It's good for business, good for productivity. Fantastic. Very good, as always, Oliver. I would say burnout is as relevant now as ever, although I appreciate your optimism, and I do think things are changing in the corporate culture. What was the corporation, by the way, that was had the your, your mental health first aiders? They should uh, get a mention. It, well, it was uh, Southern Electricity. Southern Electricity, good one. So, yeah, I think you know the key causes of burnout: demands exceeding resources, high workload is just one of the things. Inadequate training could be another thing, and advice not being available when required emotional support not being available when needed, the culture not being encouraging of coming forward, and also the employees having 
the notion that it's somehow shameful to seek help. And the key solutions are letting staff know how they can seek help, changing attitudes, seniors acting down, as you said, uh, having more of a team ethos, and there needs to be a culture of corporate responsibility for mental well-being, mental health mentors, flexible time off, but also time off being properly time off. Yeah. Couldn't Not expected to, to answer emails, because that is work. Oh. Uh, and senior executives as well need to be educated on the disability act. This is something we didn't cover. You can't sack someone for being depressed. You have a duty mm. of care to them. Mm. You'll get sued mm. if you do that. Mm. Better to intervene before they get depressed. I quite like that because it takes some of the pressure off. If you feel you're suffering uh, and uh, close to burnout, you will not get sacked for it. You cannot get no. sacked for it. No. Please remember that. No. If you If you find that you are becoming depressed and you're still dragging yourself into work, please don't do that there's a good chance that your depression will deepen and get even more uh, intractable, if you like, and take longer to, to, to recover from. You have every right to go along to your doctor, say I'm depressed, get it diagnosed, and get all the support you need. And you definitely need either reduced hours or time off altogether. I've, often I find reduced hours is, is, is an effective way of dealing with it. And if you do that, take action the chances of an improvement in your state is incredibly high. And and just remember, your employer has a duty of care. Nice. Uh, if you get an unsympathetic manager, you can go above them. Yeah. And uh, you owe to yourself to do that because there's a large mm. emphasis here on, on, on uh, look after yourself. Yeah. You, you deserve it. Mm. So, okay, I think that we've we've pretty much have we wrapped up there? I've got nothing else, man. Got nothing, nothing else in the can? Nothing else in the can on paper. Anyway. Okay, so I'm kind of um, happy that we've covered most things. Let's just say then, uh, as usual, please check out our website. We've got an article up there already, which summarised a lot of things we've said in this app. Do uh, get in touch with us, Oliver. Yes, so you can tweet, uh, which is Y, W H Y T L F. So Y T L F. Um, that's our handle, uh, and you can communicate on Facebook. YTLF is our handle there as well. We have an Instagram account, which is rubbish. Please ignore that. No, we, we don't ignore it. We're going to make it better. Oh, yeah, we, that's right. We're going to make it better. Uh, which, wherever you get your podcasts from, do rate us. Yeah, and comment as well. Please. And it doesn't have to be positive. But if it's negative, put that on Facebook. <laughs> so we can ignore it. No. All right, see you next time. Later. Thanks. Bye.